Yo. Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show. Autumn is a best-selling author, popular speaker, and wife who is obsessed with her husband and four crazy kids. She is also the CEO of the Autumn Miles Ministry, as well as a lipstick and lash enthusiast. Autumn's vision is to speak to the culture with bold truth and challenge you to act in raw faith. Here's Autumn Miles. Hey, hey, it's your girl Autumn Miles with the Autumn Miles Show. Um, I would sing a song to start off uh, the show today, but y'all know I ain't no singer. I got a good choir voice in air quotes over here. Uh, Definitely not the lead singer of anything, but I want to jump right into my guest today. He's written a book that I honestly feel like every Christian in the entire universe has had this question. What is God's will for my life? My guest today is lead singer of 10th Avenue North, Mike Donahue. We're so happy to have him. Applaud in your cars. Here he goes. Welcome to the show, Mike. How are you? Oh, delightful. I was going to start off singing by your side. I'll be by your side. You remember that you one? You go for it. <laughs> I, last but I'm not a lead singer over here, Mike, and I don't want to ruin your song. That's when I first heard about you. What year was that, Mike? That would have been 2008. You know, that's great. I like thinking about how old I've become. <laughs> okay, I love this. Okay, Mike, you have four daughters. Is that right? It is right. How is There's that? A- it's a lot of crying. <laughs> and it's usually me that's crying. <laughs> Four daughters. How long have you been married to your wife? Uh, I've been married 11 years. Oh, that's amazing. 11, 11 glorious years. Oh, I um, we we talked for a hot second before we went on air. So I, I uh, to my audience, I told him of my four kids. The four kid life is crazy, isn't it? What are the ages of your girls? They're nine, eight, five, and one and a half. Oh, God bless you. I I got yeah. I got thirteen, eleven, and two four year olds. So I got two boys, two girls. So it's it's half crying because of the drama and half crying because the boys are beating each other up. So it's like <laughs> Oh God, bring your peace in our home. I'm just trying to keep them alive till they're they turn eighteen. Okay. And out they go. That's what I told my 11-year-old. I'm trying to keep you alive. That's my responsibility. When you're 18 in two days, it's all on you, dude. Like, you're going to have to get That's it right. together. Um, okay, let's talk about your book. I, I, I want to go in a lot of different uh, areas with your, with your book. I think this uh, Finding God's Will People, I agree. I've done my homework on your book and on you, Mike. I, I I really think people get this finding God's will thing wrong. But you have written a book about it. Finding God's life for my will is the name of it, which you flipped it. I like how you did that. His presence is the plan. Why did you write this book? Tell me about it. Yeah, um. At first, just as a practical exercise, because um, I've always enjoyed blog writing, and I had a bunch of people saying, you should write a book, you should write a book. And I said, all right, I'll write you 10 people a book. And, uh, <laughs> That's and I was about like, right. you know, what, what am I going to write about? Um, you know, how do you, like, consolidate your whole life into one theme? Mm-hmm. And as a singer of a band, 
you wouldn't believe how many people think that I know what I'm doing. <laughs> they really do. I've deluded them. They're like, <laughs> how did you know this was God's will for your life? How did you figure it out? And I always look back and say, I, I haven't, and I don't. Mm-hmm. The face scrunches, and they're like, you know what I'm saying. And I said, no, really. I was like, and, you know, I've been on tour with, like, Chris Tomlin. Guess mm-hmm. what? He doesn't know what he's doing either. <laughs> I love um, it. And, and I try to encourage folks, like, look, man, stop trying to get God to give you a secret plan. Um, like, stop asking what God's going to do for you, and just keep your attention on what God's going to do in you. Mm. And, like, then it doesn't really matter so much what you end up doing. All you have to worry about is how you're doing what you're doing and why you're doing what you're doing. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that sort of freedom kind of terrifies people. Yeah. They want to think, like, no, no, no. God has, like, every single step marked out. And that's true and that, like, he knows every single day of your life. But he also invites you into this living, breathing, creating um, thing that is life, you know? And I just find that the guys I respect aren't the guys that go, I'm going to be the biggest businessman on the East Coast. They go, I want to be the godliest businessman. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's how you do what you do, not what you do. Yeah, yeah. So why did you why did you flip it around? Why did you entitle this book Finding God's Life for My Will? Talk to me about your struggle sort of against your will. You talk about blackmailing God in the book, which I think is oh my goodness, fire. Tell me a little bit about that. Um yeah, blackmailing God. Uh I didn't make that up. Jesus told a parable about that. Mm-hmm. And um you know, we get it wrong. We think there's this parable called the prodigal son. That's a terrible title for that parable. It should be called the, the, two, the two sons and the loving father. Because mm. blackmailing God is the older brother, you know? The younger brother, at least he's honest about what he's doing. He's like, Father, I don't want to be with you. I want you to give me something else so I can go be happy. Older brother's doing the exact same thing. He's just going, I'm going to be so good that now, God, you owe me my idol. Yeah. And the whole time, and they're both actually guilty of the same thing. I wish I got taught that growing up in church. The older brother and the younger brother are actually guilty of the exact same sin. They want something other than their father to make them happy. Mm-hmm. And the older brother, the one who's like doing everything right, just like the Pharisees, he's the one who never gets into the party. And I think, and he's the one going, no. I worked for you, I slaved for you, I had a plan, God. I do this, you owe me that. Yeah. And that's really just the problem of grace, is like God actually doesn't owe me anything. Yeah. Mm. doesn't owe me anything. And so my question, the reason I flipped it is, God doesn't owe me a plan for my life. Mm. So I'm not going to ask God for a plan, not ask Him for a career. I'm just going to ask for more of Him in me to become more like Him. Oh, you're speaking my language over here. Our whole, I, I know our whole studio is like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why, why, why do we think we have to produce in order to be effective for the Lord? I, um, that, that absolutely drives me crazy. I love that you were just talking about, um, uh, I don't know what I'm doing in the beginning of the show. I mean, I, 
I never went to school for radio. I never went to school for anything that I did. And you have this thing, this chapter in the book where you talk about uh, you went to the principal's office 42 times. And I've just recently released two books in the last year. But I talk about my 52 detentions in my sophomore year. People that know me now would be like, you got 50. Actually, some people would say, oh, yeah, you totally got 52 detentions. But talk to me about growing up and talk to me about sort of this path that God has put you on through communication with him and take me to those 52 visits to the principal's office. What kind of a kid were you? Yeah, I mean, I guess it would make sense, right? Creative types are going to see rules of suggestions. <laughs> right. Like, I think Elon Tusk, he, like, quit school, what, sixth grade? Or Elon Musk? He, like, quit school fifth grade or something, yeah. you know? Thomas yeah. Edison failed out of school. Yeah. You know? So, uh, not to put myself in that same league, but I think I just, I just had an aversion to people telling me what to do. I was like, why does it have to be so black and white? Um, but yeah, I, I got sent to the principal's office 42 times and mostly because once you start acting up, then all your teachers, they start putting that label on you, mm-hmm. keeping it on you. And so then you're just living out what everyone expects of you. It's like, yeah. Hey, delinquent, Hey, behavior problem, you know, Hey, uh, unable to follow directions, kids. And you start hearing those, and you're like, okay, yeah, that's who I am. And so you just act like who you believe yourself to be. Yeah. And I, I thank God for my middle school principal. He stepped in, and I've actually told him this since. Uh, we went golfing like two years ago. I was like, dude, the way you talk to me changed my life. Because there's this one moment I say in the book where he catches me stealing candy out of a candy machine when I'm, I'm like – End of my seventh grade year, right? And I'm like, they had this little candy machine room where you could go. And back then, like, they hadn't upgraded the security systems on the vending machine. So in the candy, like, you could open up the bottom. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I totally know what you're talking about. Yes. It was easy to steal. Yeah. If you had skinny enough arms, you could kind of flip your arm up there and you could steal candy from the bottom row. And I'm in the middle of stealing Starburst from the bottom row. And he walks around the corner, catches me, like, red-handed. And just <laughs> when I think he's going to call me what every other teacher would call me, rightfully so, he totally changes my name on me. And he says, he goes, you're telling me your integrity is worth 50 cents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always thought it was worth more than that. Mm-hmm. And then he just walks out. And there's this, I think it's Ralph Waldo Emerson. I think there's a little debate about who said it, but it's basically like, if you treat a man as he is, that's where he'll stay. But if you treat someone as they could be, like as they should be, then like they'll become that. Mm. So it's kind of like, do you talk down to people or do you talk people up? Mm. And I think that's what kind of what, like what Paul says in Second Corinthians. He said, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. Yeah. Well, like we still screw up, you know, mm. practically we're not a new creation positionally we're a new creation. Yeah. And I think he says that because he's like, whatever name tag you've scribbled across your chest, like on that little name tag, that's who you're going to act like. Mm. Yeah. I, yeah, I, that is so true. We, 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 especially I feel like at a young age in middle school and high school, you do play the label. You play it. 
I mean, I was called dumb blonde. That's when people call people dumb blondes. Now it's politically incorrect to do so. And I wouldn't uh, recommend you calling anybody that. But uh, back then, people just did. I've got like fluorescent blonde hair over here. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm just going to play that part. I'm going to be that. I'm going to do that. I'm the girl that makes everybody laugh. I'm the girl that doesn't follow rules. And, you know, it was the grace of God that had me rise above that. Uh, I want you to take me to... Your senior year in high school, what happened that changed your life? Yeah, so Randy Brunk put me on a different course because seventh grade I got sent to the principal's office 42 times. My eighth grade year I didn't go once. Hmm. So there was a profound shift there. Um, but I still was kind of like, okay, like I could be a better kid. Great. But as far as like the reality of God and providence and sovereignty and mercy, those hadn't really got into me. Um, and then my, yeah, my senior year of high school, uh, I was driving to driving to school with my buddy in the morning and we caught the edge of a back country road in Virginia and started swerving at 50 miles an hour. And he flipped our little two door CRX, uh, five times. Oh and I got thrown out of the car and Landed on the pavement and broke my back in two places and broke my skull and ripped my ear off. And uh, I flatlined five times on the way to the hospital. Oh, my goodness. And yeah. They, you know, they said I wasn't going to make it through the night. And then I made it through the night. And then they said, you'll never walk again. And then I walked again. And they said, well, you'll never recover. And I played the last game of the soccer season in, like, mid-November, you know? Oh, my goodness. So, well... When I, like that, I, I say that was the best thing that ever happened to me because when I was laying on my back waiting for my back to heal, that was the first time I asked for a guitar. Mm -hmm. I was just bored out of my mind. And it's, it's just funny how I feel like God is a lot like Bob Ross. <laughs> okay, you know Bob Ross? elaborate, elaborate. <laughs> you ever watch a Bob Ross show? <laughs> I can't say that I have, but I, everyone in the studio, what? they're looking at me like I'm an idiot. So they, keep okay. going. I'm going to be truthful they, with you, Mike. I ain't playing. He's a PBS painter. Oh, yes. No. Yeah, yeah. And he, with the happy trees. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Well, one, one of the things Bob Ross would say, because he's teaching you to paint, that's, that's his show. And he'd always say, now, you might, you, you might put some black over here. Do something you didn't want to do, but there's no mistakes. Mm. There's just happy accidents. <laughs> and, it, like, the truth is it, it feels like mistakes. It feels terrible. But, like, God has this way of he doesn't just, like, blot out or erase bad moments in our lives. He actually weaves them into the painting. Mm. Good. Right? Like, so there's no... There's no mistakes, just happy accidents. And so I think a lot, a, lot, a lot of problems with Christians, like, is they take these verses about as far as the East is from the West, so far as you removed your sins from us. So we picture, like, okay, that bad thing is just gone. Mm. And a lot of us need to go back to those accidents, go back to those mistakes, go back to those terrible moments. And we need to ask ourselves, and this is, I've, I've learned from a lot of psychologists, Fred, you need to ask yourself, where is Jesus in that moment? Mm. 
And you actually need to embrace that past, embrace that mistake, embrace that moment, and go, this was a happy accident. Mm. And, and I don't know, like, I was just watching, did you watch that interview between Stephen Colbert and Anderson Cooper? And they're talking about grief and how they both lost their fathers at I, a young age. I, I watched a clip of it. I think I watched like a minute of it. I didn't see the whole thing. But tell me about it. Dude, you need to go back and watch okay, it. Okay, I will. Pontificating about how losing their fathers in their childhood really changed the course of their life. Mm. And there's this profound moment where Stephen Colbert is saying to Anderson Cooper, like, well, you need to embrace that, basically. And Anderson Cooper is going, I mean, I know that I'm a different person than I should have been. Wow. And Stephen Colbert goes, that's not true. He goes, oh. because this is the only one there is. There mm. isn't some other alternate universe where Anderson Cooper, who never lost his dad, is living. Mm. Like, you have to go back and embrace your past with love. Wow. Like, that's what other option is there? Hmm. There isn't one. Wow, that is so good. So you're laying on your back. You're bored out of your mind. Clearly, we know that you are, and God has blessed you. You've been incredibly successful, um, you know, leading millions in worship and doing albums and all sorts of things. But that accident was the moment that you started playing guitar, right? Yeah. Take me from the journey yeah. from there. Then We're talking about God's plan for your life. We're talking about um, seeking him, being in communion with him. I'm telling you what, this is, um, I, the, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is because of that. People miss, that is the secret. That is the insight. It's not, it's not a GPS of turn left, turn right here. It is being in community with the Lord, being in his word, listening to the spirit, letting the spirit lead you. So where did you go from that day when you're on your back? You know, we, we see the end result, but I want to talk a little bit about the process. where did you go from there? Yeah. So when you stop asking God's will for your life and you start asking God's life for your will, um, suddenly like if God thwarts a certain plan that you had, you're able to let it go. Mm. There's this great quote, St. Augustine said, he said, God's often trying to give us good things, but our hands are too full to receive them. <laughs> yeah. So we're like, no, it's got to be this way. Uh -huh. here's, here's the funny part. I started playing guitar my senior year. I'm terrible, right? I go to college and I was dead set on I'm going to be a famous actor. I was a theater major. I was in all these plays in high school. I did this special, like, acting thing. I thought I was the man at acting. And so I get into college, and my freshman and sophomore year, I try out for every single play, and I think I have, like, two speaking lines the whole first two years in the school. Mm. And I am, I'm ready to transfer. I'm going, they don't recognize my genius. You know, this is an atrocity. This is this is unjust, and I will not stand for this. And they're ruining God's plan for my life. Meanwhile, because I didn't get all these roles in these plays, I had all this free time. I started jamming in my dorm room, learning how to play guitar, start playing with some guys. We start going out, playing shows, writing songs. Well, by my junior and senior year, I'm getting asked to be in these plays, and I have to turn them down. Mm. because our band is starting to play all over the state. Wow. 
And a lot of us, that's what happens. We have this plan, God thwarts it, and we just throw a temper tantrum. Yeah. And God's going, There's a, just go over this way, man. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to show you, mm-hmm. like, over here. And I think it's because God follows our desires deeper down. Yeah. That's what I've been saying. Like, in other words, I go, hey, I want to be famous. God goes, no, you don't. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. I want to be famous. He goes, I don't know. That's, that's what you think you want. Yeah. What you really want is to be known and loved. Yeah. So I'll give you that. But that actually means I can't let you get famous. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. At least not for a while. Mm. Or, or, or we say, God, I want to be the most successful businessman in the world. And God goes, no, you want power. Mm. And, and, and you're greedy. And actually, like, me re- sending you up to the top of the corporate ladder really quickly would be the worst thing. Because you would think that that's, like, that's the way to lord over people. But I want to make you a servant now so when you get up there, you're not thinking you're a big shot, but you remember that you're a servant. Mm-hmm. Which is a whole other thing in my book. I talk about how we need to get rid of the word leader in Christian vocabulary. Yeah. Um, because Yeah, I, and I didn't make this up. The Apostle Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 3 and 4, twice. He says, there's this big argument about, hey, I follow Apollos. I follow Paul. Who follows who? It's all about celebrity Christians. And and Paul actually goes, um, don't call us leaders. Mm. Call us servants. Mm. And and we go, all right, cool, Paul. Mm. Servant leaders. Yeah. (laughs) See what we did there? Yeah. And, and Paul goes, no, like, take the word leader out, because I don't want you to call us leaders because leader appeals to our ego. Yes. But that's why you have leadership conferences. You don't have servanthood conferences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to Everyone be a big wants deal. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so good. So okay. I'm, I'm, uh, I wish we could do two shows with you. Uh, I, we're running out of time, but Mike, I can't let you go. I, I want you to... Um, Talk to that person today that is desperately, they're like freaking out because they're, see, I, we get this, this question daily in our ministry. I mean, it's all the time. I'm seeking God's will for my life. He's not answering. I'm trying to figure it out. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know. You know, I mean, every single question that I'm sure you've heard in, uh, in ministry yourself. What would you tell that person? Um, I can't find it. God's silent. What do I do? Where do I go? Uh, speak to that heart because we got a lot of them listening today. Mm. Yeah, if you, I, I guess your question like if you feel paralyzed. Yeah. Like I can't move on with what I want to do. I think there's there's this big movement in church where we feel guilty. If what we want to do doesn't check all, like, the spiritual boxes, mm. right? Like, we grew up hearing, like, if you're a worship leader or a pastor or a missionary, that's definitely God's will for your life. <laughs> but if you want to be a fashion designer, mm. definitely not. Yeah. And so we have this conflict of, man, I feel wired to do this certain thing, but I grew up being told that thing isn't spiritual enough so maybe that's not what God wants me to do. Mm. And there's this incredible quote, I guess I would end the show. I mean, I could take this a lot of different ways. Um, but Frederick Beekner, he says, 
Your calling is simply where your deep gladness and the world and the world's deep hunger meet. Mm. So, in other words, in other words, he says, "Hey, quit quit asking yourself like what what am I supposed to do, right? And just ask yourself, what do I love to do, and how can I do that in a way that actually blesses people?" Mm. Because if you just ask, what do I love to do? You'll just end up like a narcissistic jerk. Yeah. And if you just ask, hey, what does the world need? You're going to end up burning out. Yeah. You're going to be trying to do something you're not wired to do. Yeah. But the real fulfillment, and I think where the pressure comes off, is when you simplify and you go, okay, what do I love doing? And how can I bless people doing it? Yeah. That's, I think that's all God wants from you. It really is. It's so simple. It's so simple. Uh, my guest today, Mike Donahue, he is the lead singer for 10th Avenue North. You know, you've heard his songs. You probably sang them in church. He has written a book, Finding God's Life for My Will. And I really, I really have enjoyed it. I really wanted to talk to you about the ministry of interruption and a couple other things, but we didn't, we didn't get to it. However, all of my listeners go out and grab this book. It just came out. It's available anywhere books are sold. Mike, thank you so much for being on our show today. Hey, my pleasure. It has been just um, really good. Really good. I know our listeners have appreciated it. And thank you for listening. You can catch your girl back here tomorrow on The Autumn Miles Show. The Autumn Miles Show is listener supported and your donation to keep her on the air is much appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And if you make a donation of $100 or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of her book of the month. This program is underwritten by Mary Maids of Fort Worth. Your future starts now. Thanks for listening and join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on the Word 100.7 FM.